0: Feature writer and marketing strategist Neha Nagani knows that even with all the bad things you see on the news today, there's still a lot of great people doing great things. Join us for the next few minutes while Neha takes the time to show you who some of these people are, what they've done, and what the impact is on our society. This is Seen from the Inside with your host, Neha Nagani.
1: Welcome. You're listening to Scene from the Inside. I'm your host, Neha Nagandhi. Today on the show, we have two-time Grammy award-winning singer, songwriter, producer, and just a extraordinary example of humanity. We'd like to welcome Speech from Arrested Development in the studio. Hey, well-
2: how you doing?
1: So good to see Thank you.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: I just want to jump right in here. Your first album, the debut album, is it was in 1993. And I have to read this album title because speech, I don't understand the 92, album. 92. 92, I'm sorry. Yeah. This again goes back, listeners, you cannot believe everything you read on the internet because everywhere right? I've read on the internet, the, the album debuted in 93. And now he's saying 92. So here you go. Anyway, so this album, it's called Three Years, Five Months. Two Days in the Life of, um, and it was a, it's a two-time Grammy Award-winning album. But the album is slightly unusual because it sort of carved its own niche in the music scene. And prior to the show coming on air, we were talking about music and what music means to both of us. And so I wanted to talk about... Why you made the album? Because you founded the band in college. And then what does it mean in the American music scene still today?
2: Well, we started the album really because, you know, obviously we love music, but we wanted to create music that offered solutions to a lot of the problems, especially problems in the black community. And that's our community. We saw a lot of it. I grew up around it and um, I just felt like that was something I can offer and my mom is very heavy in the civil rights movement my dad was as well my mother owns a black-owned newspapers 40 years now and so every morning around the kitchen table we'd hear all of these topics that were being brought up and so I I was aware of a lot of the issues and I was aware of some of the solutions and I didn't feel like there was a lot of that in the music so you know Arrested Development in general was that band that wanted to stop the state of arrested development in the black community
1: i mean there were a few people that was making music back then like you know um like lottie not Ladi da who's that lottie soul black there were other day la old, soul De la soul oh right. i love De
2: la we're about to perform with them in south africa
1: right so oh, we'll get there yeah but um so there were very few artists that were making socially conscious music as you guys were trying to make back then. So, I kind of want to know, like, what inspired you? I mean, I know there were certain events that happened, like your grandmother's yeah. passing. Yeah, the exactly, song yeah. Tennessee is based off of that. Yeah. And so, but, you know, were you always this way? Were you always ra- you know raised to give out social issues and talk about it? Well, em?
2: you know, it's funny you say that because my mom had tried to teach us that. But, like most young people, I, I mean, I was doing everything but that. I mean, it's DJing. Uh, You know, the stuff we were rapping about initially with some of my groups before Arrested Development was about our clothes and our cars and stuff like that. That was just what we were rapping about in high school and college. You were
1: young men back then. Yeah, exactly. That's what
2: we wanted to talk about. But then when I got a little older and I was introduced to more um, sort of the secret history of black people in this country and around the world then that really piqued my interest because there's a whole nother history that's not being taught in the history books. There's a whole nother reality of American history that all Americans need to learn about that wasn't being taught. And that piqued my, you know, intrigue. And then that made me study more. And then when I was studying, it made me get more impassioned. And then, of course, the music.
1: And then you brought together four other friends. Yeah, To definitely. form the original band. Yeah, yeah. The oh, right. original
2: band, Arrested Development, was five of us. Um, a really mishmash of people. You know, an elder in our band. He was 57 when we started. Right. He's now, now he's 84. your drummer, right? No, he's Baba. He's just literally an elder. He's sort of like the wisdom of our group. And then we had a young girl who was only 16, Ishii, the dancer. Drummer was named Roz.
1: Right, okay. Yeah, and, okay.
2: um, and Early Tari and myself, yeah. So, the headliner.
1: So talk about Arrested Development. It was carved by you and like these four other band members that you had just mentioned and it was not created by a corporate machine you know there have been subsequent bands that have been created by you know corporate honchos who bring together some musicians and they create some you know, fluff that they put out there. But you guys actually kind of formed yourself and rose to fame because of your music. What was that experience like? It was
2: surreal. I mean, it was it's amazing to, number one, rise to fame, period. Most people want that and don't get it. Right. And when I say most, like 90% of the, the artists. So right. it's just amazing to have that experience. But then to have it when you're speaking about what we do, it's like, it's just surreal, you know, and it's really, it's inspiring to the world. I mean, we've traveled the world. And one of the things that I think sort of lean towards our longevity is the fact that our music was so authentic and so, you know, message oriented. And, and it relates today, like still the songs, if you listen to our lyrics, they're still everyone says this is still really relevant right now
1: it is still relevant yeah. I mean if you think about the song Mr. Wendell that talks about a homeless man you know and there are some times and I was kind of talking this about before the show started where you say things or I, you see things and, and I'll think of a song and when I sometimes see a homeless man I think about that song Mr. Sure, Wendell and yeah. what the song was trying to say and the consciousness that it was trying to raise by saying don't not look at me look at me connect with me and do something about this a human yes because this is part of our humanity
2: exactly right
1: so but you know as with fame uh things go up and then they come down yeah unfortunately the original band arrested development disbanded after a couple of years Mm -hmm. Uh and You were you were what I've read, you were sad and downtrodden, but then you went on to thrive and you found success in of all places, Japan.
2: Yeah. What was that like? It was it was again surreal. What 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 was interesting about that Japan trip was that I released a solo album you know, Arrested Development sold 5 million albums. When I released my solo album, it was like at 15,000 albums. So it was like quite a big that's, difference. That's a, that's a big difference, yes. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. Uh, so, what happened? Uh, I know. So, you know, when I got, um, I was looking at a Billboard magazine one day and looking for, you know, hoping my songs were coming up the charts with my solo album to see if it can do better and better. And I didn't see anything. And I, I just started turning the pages. I got to the Japan charts. And I looked near the bottom for the song and I didn't see it. And I was depressed. I looked it to the top and I'm like, there's my song. It's number one song in Japan. And I had yet to tour there as a solo artist. So I was like, called my manager immediately. He's like, dude, we need to go to Japan. It's been number one for seven weeks. And so we need to go there. Right. And the so iron that's is exactly hot. what we did. Yes. And that was like the beginning of a whole nother, that really resurrected. It was almost like a person on a stretcher, you know and the beep is really slowing down and then it's like that resurrected it you know what I mean oh, that's it's a like, good analogy yeah it was I like great that. it was really really needed too let me tell you <laughs> um we got to Japan and like people had hearts and and like cards and everything and they're just so happy for me to be there and I it was truly like a god moment for me I really was needing that I th-
1: thought um so you well let's talk about a little bit about like your roots uh, so no. you were born and brought up in milwaukee
2: yeah partially milwaukee and part tennessee
1: In part tennessee mm-hmm. and then you went to college in atlanta and moved yeah. to um atlanta when you were 17 18 years old i'm yeah. assuming so does that southern living have an influence in your music oh
2: my gosh to say the least i mean i used to come to tennessee in the very rural part of tennessee called hennings and um when i say rural i mean like outhouses i don't know if you know what i mean by that Uh, yes
1: i don't i I grew up in charlotte north carolina i i know what outhouses are. right so
2: outhouses well water i mean no electricity in some of our neighbors houses and stuff so it was that kind of world but i loved it and i was so intrigued by it so moved by it spiritually and mentally and uh, i always wanted to come back down south so when i came to atlanta it was like the Black Mecca. It was like a little Africa to me. And, and, and it didn't remind me of any other state I'd ever been to. And I still feel that way about Atlanta. So it was just um, an incredible experience to come back here and to really start other things. And, you know.
1: So speaking about your musical influences, I've read that Prince has oh some of gosh. the most influences. Yeah, he's on my your... favorite
2: artist of all artists.
1: So t- why?
2: I think that he is the most prolific as far as the material he's written over the years that he's been alive. His live shows, in my opinion, are among the best that anyone could ever witness, period. And I think that his range of instruments that he's played and written and produced his songs is just outrageous. And then also um, just the the visuals and the, and, and the way he's recreated himself over the years is just... To me, he just was truly the epitome of all artists. And I think most artists can agree he's at least in their top five because any artist that's that's next to him is always honored to be next to him. I don't care who, how big that artist is. It's still an honor to be next to Prince when he was alive.
1: I think it's such a testimony to how somebody lived their life because I've read the story about how you sampled the word Tennessee yeah. from his um, – Album. Yeah,
2: Alphabet Street.
1: Alphabet Street. And then how he, Prince, the artist, never really did anything about it until <laughs> the album, your album, started you know, sort of slipping down the charts, not on yeah, the upside, right? And then he let it sit there and then, it, you know, started coming down and then he sent you a, a letter or something saying, Hey, I want a hundred thousand dollars, you know, for you guys to sample it, not, you know, writing credits, not anything. Yeah. And I think that's such a testimony because he could have,
2: he could have, squashed that whole momentum yes yeah
1: completely yeah and you guys would have been stuck in the mud as yeah. they say and yeah. so I think that is such a testimony to, to who he was
2: when I met him we talked about that and he was like you know we cool I'm like we're more than cool you know I love your music you're my favorite artist and we tried to meet one another a number of times but he just is he, he was a prolific guy you
3: know
1: You're listening to Scene from the Inside. I'm your host, Neha Nagandhi. Today on the show, we have in-studio with us Speech from Arrested Development. He is a two-time Grammy Award-winning songwriter, singer-songwriter, and he's been talking to us about his love for music and how he got started. His roots are in Atlanta, as well as in Tennessee and Milwaukee. When we come back, we're going to talk to speech about being an ordained minister and the importance of giving back to community through the Victory Spot Arts Complex studio. This is Seen from the Inside. I'm your host, Nehan Gandhi. Welcome back. You're listening to Scene from the Inside. I'm your host, Nehana Gandhi. Today in studio with us, we have Grammy award-winning speech from the band Arrested Development. So good to have you in studio with us today. It's good speech. to be here with you. Um, We're going to continue on talking about you became an ordained minister in 1996. Is that year correct?
2: I think it was like ninety eight. Okay,
1: Because yeah. previously we had talked about how you cannot read, how you cannot believe everything you read on the internet. So yeah, that's
2: so true. It's
1: it's it's flabbergastingly true, you guys. Because I do a lot of research on my guests, and more often than not, more of the stuff I read is not true. Right. So <laughs> take my advice when I it say so do true. not believe what you read on the internet. Okay, yeah. so you became an ordained minister in nineteen ninety six, and it changed the way you see life and. Tell, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, basically, I was uh, against Christianity. I was not a big fan. I thought it was a powerless religion. And I met a woman that auditioned for me, and um, she invited me to her church. And at that time, my wife and I were sort of in a place where we were open to checking it out. So it took about six months for, her to, for us to actually go to the church. But we did, hated it, went back for some reason, hated it again. And then we were asked to study the Bible. And at that point, I said yes. And it was pretty ironic because— Right before studying the Bible, I was sort of brushing up on my Christianity and um, looking at various books. And I got deeply convicted. And and, um, it totally changed my heart about who Jesus was and what Christianity is. And at that point, I was very open. And um, we started studying the Bible. I was asking tons of questions, things that I always wondered. And they were fulfilled, most of them. And I was deeply encouraged and and inspired. And I became a Christian in 1996. And... um, and then became a minister in 98. The minister part was nothing that I necessarily was looking to try to do. It was more so a situation of I was serving a lot. I was giving a lot. I was already deeply invested in people. And that's really what ministry is about. It's about being invested in people. And so the church that I was part of um, ordained me just because they really felt like I was already doing the work. And so I said, cool, and um, that's it.
1: So does this new side of you um, have an influence in your music because you've got two new albums that have come out this year. Yeah, this year
2: we released them. And one is
1: free for Uh all the listeners out there. Changing
2: the narrative is called
1: Yes. And the other one you have to pay money for. Yep. 99. Not everything in life is free, you guys. But he did give you one. It's like buy one, <laughs> exactly. get one
2: free. Yeah, really? Exactly.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. So does that have influence on your...
2: Definitely it does. You know, anything is life changing of as really starting to have faith in Christ. It's it's a life changing experience. And, um, and I say really because I think, you know, people have sort of different levels of really being committed to this. And I feel like I'm deeply committed to it. And... Um, It changed my life, like literally 180 turn and a lot of things had to change, very radical changes.
1: So let's talk about present day. Um, In the present day, there's this Black Lives Matters movement that is going on and your music has a lot to do with being socially conscious. Yeah. Uh, And you've come out and said um, some things about Straight Outta Compton movie coming out about how Dr. Dre mistreated women. So give us your thoughts about present day and Black Lives Matter movement. And how do you think music influences all of that? We have a song
2: called Bloody. And the whole song concept is just saying how many hands are bloody for not speaking out more against the atrocities that we see, not just in the United States with the black people that are being consistently killed by law enforcement, but also even around the world. And so... I think that music is supposed to be a mixture of a lot of things because life is a mixture of a lot of things. There should be people talking about parties, but there should also be people talking about social issues. There should be people talking about Black Lives Matter and and, and talking about other things because that's what we're all talking about. That's what's happening in this world right now. Not everyone is talking about one thing. So... What I find in this present day music world is that it's a lack of balance that's being played. So you have people that's talking about a lot of things and even artists like us that's speaking about it in our music. But we're not getting as much promotion as all the artists that are talking about the strip clubs and about, you know, going to the mall and, and just partying. Well, how
1: Atlanta's such a party town. Uh, yeah. You know. So that, yeah.
2: that needs to be there, though. So I'm not suggesting that people take that off there. Right. I'm suggesting that we bring the diversity back to music in the era when Arrested Development came out, that was one of the beautiful things. We used to call it the golden era of hip-hop because in that era, everyone coexisted from 2 Live Crew to NWA and Dr. Dre to Arrested Development, Public Enemy, MC Hammer. There was a lot of different ideas and thoughts going out through the music, and that's cool to me. I I would never want it to be all conscious and all message-oriented, and I personally don't like it either the way it is now where it's pretty much nobody's talking about anything other than going to the mall and buying stuff and and
1: yeah the big cars and uh you know going on fancy vacations and the dollar signs are everywhere right right?
2: and that's to me dangerous too so it it just needs to be balanced
1: i agree with you and i think there needs to be a dialogue more space for open dialogue needs to happen and i think music is one of the best venues to create that space
2: i agree I'm yeah. so glad you agree with me. yeah music is is an amazing vehicle. It actually overcomes a lot of the walls people put up. And even our music, I mean, like I said, we tour throughout the world, start, you know, had a lot of success in Japan, but also we go we just got back from Australia, New Zealand, Switzerland. um we're going to South Africa tomorrow. So there's a lot of places that we're able to go, and it's because of the music, right. and it just opens doors.
1: So how long are you going to be in South Africa? Let's talk about For that. For about
2: a week. Which Doing is, shows every night? No, we're, we have one show. We have a show with the Jacksons, uh, De La Soul, uh, Macy Gray, and uh, um, Roy Ayers. It's going to be an amazing show.
1: So is it a benefit concert?
2: No, it's not. It's um, a festival called Delicious. It's called mm. Delicious.
1: And what city is it in?
2: Johannesburg.
1: And have you been to South Africa before? Yeah,
2: this is our fifth time to South Africa.
1: So here's a little tidbit you might want to know about speech. He loves long flights. We were talking about this before (laughs) the show got on broadcast. And I was saying to him that long flight to South Africa would just knock me out. I I would literally have to be knocked out before I got on a flight (laughs) to South Africa. But he was saying how much he loves uh, a long flight. So if you want to know some trivia about (laughs) speech at your next trivia contest, speech loves long flights. Longer the better, he says.
2: Yeah, I love him. No phone, no interruptions, good sleep, great movies. Just like solitude.
1: So, and, and I'm the complete opposite. So there you go. There you go, <laughs> dear listeners. Okay. We're going to get past this and, and talk about your giving back to Atlanta through an arts complex that you and your wife, Yolanda Thomas, have opened in Fayetteville, Georgia, called Victory Spot. It offers classes in singing and acting and vocal dance, lessons and, and, and vocals, dance yeah. Instruments. Uh, for children and teenagers. All ages. In all ages. And yeah. all ages. Yeah. There uh-huh. we go. So tell us why you opened this.
2: Well, we wanted to give back. We've been in this industry for almost 30 years. We've seen almost, you know, everything you can see in this industry. And we have a lot of knowledge, a lot of understanding. And we wanted to guide new artists and help them not to make the same mistakes that a lot of us have made. So that's the real purpose of Victory Spot. The other thing is Fayetteville is a incredible arts place now. It's becoming really amazing. We have two huge Hollywood studios, one um, called Pinewood and one just one exit up. Pinewood's literally a couple miles from Victory Spot. We have a lot of filming that's going on down there, Grateful Dead being filmed right up the street. So it's a lot of great things going on. So us having our art school just made total sense to us, plus it was a way for us to give back to a lot of this new generation of artists coming up.
1: Although we would love to have Grateful Dead being filmed, it's not, it's Walking Dead. Right? Um, I'm sorry, yeah, <laughs> Walking
2: Dead. I'm a musician. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I what's think it, of Grateful Dead oh. first. What's, what's a musician,
1: always a musician, Yeah, right? exactly. Right. Um, so how, how long has the Arts Complex been open?
2: We will be um, one year, we will be celebrating one year, October 12th.
1: That is amazing. Yeah, Congratulations. this month. Yeah, one year,
2: October 12th. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Excited about it.
1: And what's your goal? What, how many students do you want to see enrolled?
2: Ultimately, we want to be like the Harvard of music. So we're starting off. We right now have about 25 students. We have students from Japan, from Russia, from, of course, America, Georgia. So we have, you know, students from everywhere. And um, we ultimately want to become like a, a really big campus that, And our main goal is that we spit out of there the best entertainers of of the industry. That's the goal.
1: So we're going to see the The next next Beyonce,
2: the next, yeah.
1: The next Rihanna. Exactly. The next Beach.
2: Exactly right.
1: That is awesome.
2: Yeah, thank you. That's Uh, the goal.
1: Okay, so we're going to wrap this up. Tell us, where would you want to see the victory spot complex be in the next five years, 10 years? I know we talked about some of the leading entertainers coming out of there. But as far as like, you know, giving back, where do, totally. you, want, where do you want to see that?
2: Well, we want to actually expand it. So one of the things we want to do is expand in, a, in Fayetteville. But then second of all, we want to do other cities. We have great relationships with people in Africa. So when we go to Africa this trip, we're building some of the foundations for a victory spot in another country, which would be South Africa. And then outside of that Milwaukee my hometown my wife's hometown of Charleston South Carolina so there's other places that we have tentacles that we know we can start some great things and there's a great need for this i mean there's a lot i think the whole idea of training people up is something that's sort of lost its way and we want to bring that back like training people to be incredible so they don't have to make the same mistakes
1: Thank you so much to Speech from Arrested Development for joining us today. It Thank you, had a lot of memorable fun. With you. and a, a, a show to have you here.
2: I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks.
1: So coming up next, we're going to have our arts and social scenes segment. Stay with us. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Scene from the Inside. I'm your host, Neha Nagandhi. You're listening to our Atlanta Arts and Social Scenes segment. And today on the phone, we have John McFall. He is the retired artistic director from the Atlanta Ballet. Welcome, John, to Scene from the Inside.
3: Well, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you, Neha.
0: Well, um, John, we appreciate you. And I'm, I'm Dior with Best of And uh, we appreciate you joining us today. And uh, we kind of wanted to have you on because this is a a, a new episode in your life uh, where you are just recently retired. Kind of tell us, kind of back us up and tell us why you felt it was important for you to retire from the Atlanta Ballet at this point.
3: Well, I spent 21 years, uh, really wonderful years, uh, collaborating with really spectacular dancers, uh, guest choreographers. uh, I directed a school that uh, generally has around 1,200 students at three different locations. And together in the community, we all made tremendous uh, progress and forward movement in engaging our community and bringing lots of people into the arts, uh, either into the theaters or into the studios or actually into the parks. We did a lot of... uh, presentations uh, outside as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, what's been some of the highlights over your career uh, being a part of, of the Atlanta Ballet This just kind of really stood out for you?
3: Well, every day was really a highlight for me, but uh, I would say collaborating with local artists uh, that we're, we're all very fond of and love, uh, the Indigo Girls, uh, Antoine Patton from OutKast, uh, Red Clay Ramblers from the Carolinas. Uh, The first time we brought the curtain up on the production of Dracula, uh, that was a pretty big highlight, I must say, Uh, and and performed it many times after that to uh, all kinds of audiences. Uh, But really watching the students grow in the school, that's why I say every day is a highlight. Uh, You know, they start Seven, eight years old, and uh, they develop and evolve into these uh, really special individuals uh, who uh, have discovered so much in that process of being involved in dance and the arts. And uh, that's probably the the most gratification I uh, can share with you, outside of the fact, too, that uh, the Atlanta Ballet dancers are extraordinary. So
1: the Atlanta Ballet has been part of the arts community in Atlanta for a long, long time. How have you seen the arts community in Atlanta grow?
3: Well, in particular, uh, Dorothy Alexander founded Atlanta Ballet, and then Robert Barnett uh, really took huge leaps forward. Uh, But across the whole spectrum, uh, the opera, the symphony, the theater groups, there are so many, Uh, an abundant amount of theater in the metro area, which is wonderful, Center for Puppetry Arts, uh, and all kinds of uh, ancillary uh, groups that uh, have really contributed uh, substantially. And I I think that it's really grown with the community. Uh, I think in 1964, there were under a million people in Atlanta, and here we have, what, five to six million. And, uh, it's really a cosmopolitan, uh, community. It's very vibrant. Uh, in fact, just trying to make a decision about where you want to go, there's so many things to, uh, take advantage of. So that's a good problem, you know. And, and in the community too, with the aquarium and, uh, the sports teams and everything else, uh, it's just, uh, really robust and a place that everybody enjoys living in.
0: Well, we're glad um, you were able to be a part of the the scene and and watching it grow. Uh, I guess for a a final part here, tell me what you're doing with yourself now that you, um, I guess, a free agent or, you know, uh, uh, with a lot of extra time on your hand.
3: Well, uh, I have a young family, uh, two girls. uh, Tallulah is nine and Stella Blue is 12. So that keeps us all going, and uh, that's uh, a big adventure for all of us. But, uh, yeah, I'll stay engaged in the arts. Uh, I haven't made up my mind exactly how I want to focus my energy. Uh, I want to spend time with the family, but I do want to immerse myself into an activity that might uh, bring arts education across the land or also give opportunity to these talented dancers to become choreographers, designers, whether it's lighting or costumes, uh, trying to support our young artists. They're real treasures uh, in our country and in our communities, and uh, they need to continue to be nurtured and supported. Uh, So I'm thinking about maybe a foundation. I'm just thinking of ways to... uh, to Green. give back
1: to the community, John. That, just, that, sounds, yep. that sounds great. Yep. Now I'm so sorry to cut you off, but we're, we ran out of time. So we wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. We have John McFall, who is the retired artistic director from the Atlanta Ballet. Thank you so
3: much. You're welcome. Thank you.
1: So here's some fun and happening events in the Atlanta arts and social scene happening this week. It is the opening weekend of the abduction from the Serialo, presented by the Atlanta Opera. It is a colorful romance and one of Mozart's first successes as a composer. It's going to be playing at the Cobb Energy Center October 8th, 11th, 14th, and the 16th. So go check it out. Dior, what else do we have?
0: We also have the uh, National Black Arts Festival presents the Step Africa. It's the Migration Reflections on Jacob Lawrence. It's a high-energy performance that brings to life Lawrence's iconic paintings, which focuses on the great migration from the South to the North in the 1920s that radically changed the lives of African-Americans. And it's going to be performing at the Rialto Center for the Arts on Saturday, October the 8th. Uh, As well, we also have... um, Blues legend, a British blues legend, John Mayall, known as the godfather of British blues. And for over 50 years, he served as the pioneer for blues music in uh, uh, in Britain. And uh, he's going to be at the City Winery Atlanta on Sunday, October the 9th. So make sure you check those out. You can find out more information and more details about those at com.
1: And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at scene from inside and you can also check me out on facebook at scene from the inside and i'm also on instagram at scene from the inside thanks for joining us tune in next time right here on am 1690 voice of the arts music on the show provided by bensound.com